James. Greg. A many, many years ago, you took a trip to the opera. <laughs> Jenna. <laughs> Jenna. I yes. can't believe you remember it was Jenna. Uh, what do you mean? I told the story. <laughs> oh, it's such a oh, good story. I wonder if Jenna ever got her Uber. <laughs> I, I hope so. Was Uber even around there? Well, I guess it must have oh, been. Oh, yes, it was. Wow. Yes, I took a trip to the opera. Mm-hmm. Me and Dan, of all people. <laughs> yes, so that that was probably the funniest part that Dan was at the opera, and, and that you didn't lead with that either. That was no. kind of a yeah. you know. Oh, and then Dan said, "Wait a minute, Dan yeah. mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. opera." But but in fairness, it's an opera that serves alcohol. So correct. Yes, yeah. there was a lot of that consumed. Yeah, it's it's in Madison, Wisconsin. Of course, they serve alcohol. Of course. <laughs> so so this episode leads off with a very interesting story about the opera. Mm-hmm. And somehow microfiche came up in the conversation. I just, <laughs> as these things are typ- typically do. Yep. They are. It also, it was a nice callback to that period of time for the podcast, because I also announced on that one that I was ending the Friday haiku. Oh, wow. That, that was monumental. Yeah. But starting the Friday limerick. Yep. Yep. And that was also when we kicked off our Patreon. Mm. So this is pre-Discord server which really was when things took off in terms of our engagement with everyone. But uh, this was this was early days, early days, well, back, when, back when we wanted to do a coffee table book of haikus. But the actual topic, <laughs> which took us a while to get into on the episode too, by the way, there's a, a fair amount of intro on this one, uh, was about the seven stages of being a hop grower. Oh, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of fun and the uh, all the excitement and then the realization <laughs> – and yep. Picking up the pieces. Picking up the pieces, the pivot points. Uh-huh. It, it is a fun walkthrough of what uh what we have seen over the years with um and really it it's legit for anyone starting a business. You and I were just having this conversation offline. Oh yeah. Uh, about the highs and the lows of trying to do something on your own and the excuse me, the responsibilities involved in all of that. Yeah, those are the things that people uh, don't like to think about mm-hmm. until they have to think about them. And by then it's usually too late. <laughs> oh, Greg, I'm tired. You're tired? Why, why could you possibly be tired? I'm slightly hungover because Dan and I went to the opera last night. Is that code for some kind of high-class <laughs> class strip joint called the opera? No, but that's a really good idea. I think so. <laughs> no, we actually went to the opera. A lot of people don't know this inc- about me, including yourself, that I am a fan of opera, classical opera. Uh, I was going to say, I only found out when you sent me a text at 2 o'clock this morning saying, I've got an opera story. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And it was, it was funny because it, well, I think it's funny. Anyway, so people are like, you're at the opera with Dan? <laughs> yes, I'm at the opera with Dan. It's not a joke. It's not a euphemism for anything. Uh, we are at the opera. We saw La Traviata. It was fantastic. Um, because Dan's wife is in the chorus. So she's a opera chorus singer. And so there you go. Ah. I got connections. I have, I have people in the, in the opera that I know. So, Interesting. So is Dan an, uh, an opera fan as well? Or he has he is a fan by marriage? He's a fan by marriage, okay. but he um, likes the bar. Which he told every time he, any usher would actually talk to us, he'd say, "This guy's the opera fan. I'm here because my wife." 
Nice, nice, Dan. I appreciate that. But at least he goes, right? So you had a, a nice night at the opera, and I saw something about multiple trips to the to the bar cart there. Oh yes, yeah. So had two intermissions is a long a long one, and uh, thank goodness we were only fifty fifty yards from the uh, from the bar inside of the Madison's a very fancy opera house, so you'd think all they'd sell was white wine spritzers and whatnot, but nope, <laughs> it's Wisconsin for God's sake. <laughs> Anyway. So, so at an opera, do you um, with that much alcohol? Is there heckling? There could be actually, but no. It's uh, Dan actually kept his mouth shut. I was told him to sit on his hands, and he did he did a good job. But anyway, so I the thing that I wanted to talk about was as I was walking back to the car, I will describe this story for you. This is going somewhere. Mm, okay. okay. There were two young women. Uh, and the opera house is downtown Madison. We have this long street called State Street, which is, you know, shopping and no traffic, you know, foot traffic kind of stuff. And um, right downtown on campus, super funky, lots of bars and really drunk college kids. So I'm walking back to my car. It's 1230 and I walk past this bar. It's got these, these huge, like, rectangular concrete planters like it's kind of you put like trees in right mm-hmm. the huge there's two young women occupying one of these planters one of them is passed out i mean passed out like drooling passed out of course you know she's wearing her finest clubbing outfit hiked up around her hips and the other one is wearing what I can best describe as a tube top and some sort of sort of white sanitary napkin. <laughs> oh Lord! Uh, yeah, she's not passed out. She's on the verge of passing out, and she was just rolling around, saying, "Jenna, Jenna, get get me an Uber." <laughs> oh boy! And she just and I, it took me aback. I paused and I watched them. From, like, 20 feet away. Because that's not creepy, old man. No, well, it's Madison. Everybody does it. And, yes, all things are related to hop growing. So I chuckled to myself. I'm like, my God, this this girl's just flailing around, you know, whining and, and, and crying for somebody to help her, but she can't do anything to help herself. I'm like, holy crap. That's just like hop growing. <laughs> there are so many people that don't try to help themselves and they expect to have other people help them. They expect to have other people swoop swoop in and give them all the answers. And obviously not everyone, but this is something I've been thinking about. It's been on my mind quite a bit. When when folks ask questions, you know, and I, and I love our listeners, and you and I share this information because we want to help people, you know, become better, better growers and, and be aware of the industry. But my God, Sometimes I wonder if folks have done any homework of their own whatsoever. What have you done to help yourself before you reach out and have other people try to help you or, or your expectation is that they will help you when the stuff is very basic? Sure, and preaching to the choir to some degree because if you're listening to us, clearly you're trying to gather information. And there are tiers to that, I'd say, where you maybe help yourself a little and then to your point just start asking for, hey, free advice, hey, free advice, hey, free advice. Um, right. 
so th there are levels to that, but at least by listening to us and doing some research and looking and for and finding us in the first place, you're taking that first step to to gathering info as opposed to, I bought a farm. Uh, I'm going to go to the next farm and see if they can teach me how to do this. Right. Or what's wrong with my plant with no other context? Mm -hmm. Or how much nitrogen do I need to use? You know, things like that where it's saying, hey, what, what have you done to figure that out for yourself? Anything? Well, nobody around here knows, you know, how to, and I'm picking on fertilizer stuff because that's, it's, a, it's an easy one. You know, how many people, nobody around here knows, knows anything about hops and nutrition, blah, blah, blah. But the interweb does. What have you done to, to, to educate yourself? Because if you, if you ask somebody like us, we're going to say, how old are your plants? What kind of plants do you have? What's your soil sample tests look like? Uh, what phase of the of growth stage are you in? What kind of nitrogen do you have available to you? Oh, there's different kinds of nitrogen. I, I'm going to pull the grumpy old man card here and say that I think this is to some degree, it, it's, it's not generational, but it is uh, due to the times we live in where information is so readily accessible. But inf the information that is accessible at a surface level is surface. <laughs> it, it, it's right. very basic. You can Google something and find six pages of links that all basically tell you the bare minimum. But it takes work to go deeper. Whereas when you had to go, you know, remember microfiche? We had to go to a library. When you had to do real research for things, you would find the depth because there was no room for, for surface. I, uh, you know, in my day job, I spent all my time helping folks with, with analytics and a lot of Excel, a lot of Excel. And the number of times I want to answer a question with, Here's the email I sent last week with the answer to that. <laughs> oh, I do that all the time. Or here's a, here's a link to Google. Use it. It drives me up a wall. But it's easier to text me or instant message me with, hey, I know you told us this, but could you tell me again? Because now you've just wasted both of our time <laughs> instead of just looking through your email. Twice. Because I told you already, and it, it wasn't important enough for you at the time, or you couldn't pay me the courtesy to pay the freaking attention. So, yeah. So, so helping yourself. So, I have to ask: Did, did you help these young women? No. <laughs> <laughs> what are you kidding me? It's a great show. Show. <laughs> it sounds like if more Duh. farmers asking for help would would um, I don't know. Um, well, first of all, I've never seen farmers dressed that way asking for help. That would cause a completely different dynamic in the entire industry. It um, would, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that is a very wow. interesting and, and, dare I say it, appropriate conversation for us here. Yeah. Well, so we're going to talk today about stages of, of your hop business, but we've got a little bit of other housekeeping to deal with first that I'd like to approach here. So first of all, Instagram... A couple of weeks ago, I think I mentioned that we hit 300 or we hit 250, and you said, tell me when we hit 500. Well, right. we hit four, so... Why are you wasting... I said 500. I know you said 500, <laughs> but um, I'm telling you, we hit four. So we are, we are, we've got people following. We've got people paying attention. Um, if you are not, please follow us there. I also have to announce that this yesterday, I think for the time being, will need to be the final Friday haiku. Uh -oh. and, and the reason for this, and this is, I did not warn James about this in advance of this recording. The reason for this, I, I, I think I've tapped out the haikus, but I am proud to announce that starting next Friday will be the inaugural Hopnology Limerick. 
Oh, nice. So we're going to move on. Got it, yes. Switch it up mm-hmm. a little bit. We'll do that for a few months, and then we'll move into some iambic pentameter, and we'll, we'll try some. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for the interpretive dance. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's no. <laughs> that's that's mm. a resounding no. So the other new thing, since I've been all social media up for the past week or so, working on all this, is we have started up a Patreon account. So for those of you who don't know what that is, You'll find a link to it on our website. If you go to patreon.com slash hopnology, and it's sort of a secondary website for us that's going to allow us to do some additional things. One of those things is it's a sponsorship forum. Patreon is a way that folks involved in podcasting or artwork or music get folks to sponsor them to continue doing their work. So James and I are hoping to use this as a way to defray the costs of hosting the podcast, which right. is, is not huge, but it's something. And we love doing this, but it, um, you know, we, we'd like to get a little, little help from our loyal listeners. So if you head on over to patreon.com slash hopnology or to our website, you'll see some details there. We have one level, one sponsorship level, and that's a buck a month. That's 25 cents per, per podcast. If we keep them up month weekly, which is, is our plan, so mm-hmm. it's it's very little to contribute to uh, to keep us rolling. Uh, if we find that that's working, then we may at some point offer some higher level tiers, uh, a three dollar or a five dollar or whatever wherever it is, and we'll give you stuff with that. We'll maybe we'll throw out some swag, maybe we will do some live casts, maybe we will do. Um, uh, early access information, early access podcast, maybe release them a few days early for folks who are willing to pay a couple bucks for them. The other thing you'll get for the for the dollar a month is a shout out. So I'm going to do that in a second. But also I'm going to blog on there about our recordings right after we record them. So um, when we're done here, I'll put a few notes about some of the shenanigans that went on before we started and just a little insider view. So we hope you'll take a look at that and join us there. Our first two sponsors, Gabrielle Leandro and Scott Brandel, thank you so much for being early adopters and jumping in and helping us keep bringing the information to you. We appreciate that. And uh, again, f- folks, take a look. Uh, let us know what kinds of things you want from us, and we'll continue to try and provide you with information and, um, and other things. Cool. So uh, the other thing that's on there is when we get to 50 patrons... I've made the promise, I made this promise before clearing it with James, that we will do a a live cast with all of our patrons invited on the show, which um, there are some tools we can use to do that. So when we hit 50 patrons, if you're one of those 50, we're going to get all of us together in one big virtual room and just start talking over each other for an hour, and we'll see how that goes. That'll be fun, you have to admit. As long as we do it on a day that's not hashtag... Opera Hangover Day. Oh uh, yeah, Opera Hangover Day. We will try and skip yeah. for okay. a while. Did Thank you, you did you get a good nap in while I was telling about the Patreon stuff? I was I was kind of drooling a little bit myself, okay. but um, it sounds good. We need people to help offset the cost of doing this because it is not free. It's not. It's not between the um, the hosting and the amount of coffee I go through while we're doing it. Um, there's, right. There are expenses, and and mm-hmm. if we all share in that, then it works out for everyone. Right. All right. So. Why don't we chat about this? So James sent me a picture earlier in the week. He drew a picture. I have pretty. Well, it's not all that pretty. It's um. But it it, it adequately reflect, reflects my frustration of 
a trend that's happening very, very prominently, at least in the U.S., with hop growers. And to be clear, this is not a picture he drew of those girls from last night. This is uh, this is we're going to post this on the website. Yeah. This is this is more um, appropriate to view. It is, yeah. This is safer work stuff. So this, it's it's a chart. It's a it's a pictograph of it sums up everything that we have observed in the hop growing industry as people progress deeper and deeper and deeper into the world of growing hops without a business plan. This comes from years of experience, and every single time this trend occurs with it, I we see I see it all the time, and I was just so frustrated. I'm like, I gotta put this in some sort of a picture to highlight the insanity and again it will we'll post this we don't normally don't have a visual aid you have to follow along with since i assume many of you are listening in your cars but this this is similar to some degree to our conversation a few weeks ago about pivoting about when do you need to make these critical business decisions Mm -hmm. this we've got the pivot points in here these are more of realization points (laughs) yeah yeah and um, and to James's point, we have spent much of our time in this industry in, in partnership mode. It's always been very important to us. We, we started with, hey, let's grow hops and see what happens. But very quickly, it turned into, we know we can't do this ourselves, so other people can't do this themselves, and, and we need to work together. And as a result, these observations have become kind of ingrained in our, in our skulls because we see it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, along those lines, the first phase, as you as you drew here, is the experimental phase, which I know we went through. We said, hey, I wonder if we can do this. And we threw half an acre up. And I'm sure lots of our listeners are still in that phase. Mm-hmm. Buckets in the backyard, hops on the uh, on the deck, just a right. couple of poles in the yard. And, and that's exciting. That's mm-hmm. incredibly exciting because you're, you're li- you likely have a job. You know, maybe you are or aren't a home brewer and you just want your own crop to brew with, but... It, it's fun and it works and hops are sexy so when p- other people find out about what about what you're doing suddenly you're the cool kid and because it's not you, you know your run-of-the-mill thing if, if you said hey i'm i'm putting in apples you're like huh apples huh oh great whatever i'm putting in hops what wait what that's cool now aside from your experimenting you're getting a taste of the this is gonna sound funny the rock star hop grower lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true because you, you, you tell a few friends you're doing it. Someone says, hey, I know the brewer down at ba da 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 And, you know, the next time you're there, you get introduced. Oh, yeah, I'm growing, you know, I'm growing hops. And the brewer is smiling and nodding through their big bushy beard and saying, <laughs> um, yeah, that's great. That's great. But you're starting to think this could be a thing. Right. But you're still experimenting. And that's that's the danger of the experimental phase mm-hmm. is sort of losing sight of your objectives and your milestones. What what are you doing in this phase? This is your this is your fact finding gap analysis phase. This is not this is not something one bases a business on. And, you know, something else I'd be tempted to try and make this into a three dimensional graph of sorts. This is also where the height of your excitement likely is. Mm-hmm. Because um, 
the deeper you get into the realities of business, the more it will temper your passion and excitement, unfortunately, because that's just reality. The, the work I, part of it starts to overshadow things. I think, it's, I think that is inversely proportional. Mm-hmm. Excitement is inversely proportional to the progression of this chart. Yep. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. So experimental, you're messing around, you're, you're having fun, and you're not spending a ton of money here. Because you're not dealing, very likely you're not dealing with heavy equipment, with, um, with you know, your irrigation can be done via tractor supply. <laughs> right, you're right. Um, it, it, none of this is, is terribly expensive. And you're, you're doing things like joining every Facebook group you can find. And you're one of those people that just says following in order to stay up on a thread, right? And which is fine. You're doing your own due diligence for and you're trying to educate yourself which is great mm-hmm. and many people will stay in this phase you know if this is just hobby and fun they'll stay in this phase forever and that's fantastic that's a great yeah. place to be there's a dark side to this part and it's a pitfall which a lot of people get trapped and we talked about it already which is it's one of those things where at the small scale certainly experimental scale what do you have to lose and if you have if you're doing this in an area or locale or community where there aren't a lot of other people doing this, you're the cool kid now. Mm-hmm. You might be getting some press. You might be, you know, getting noticed at the bar or, you know, whatever. And you'll mistake that as early success. If you, Eddie, if, if you saw Rocket Man this past year, it's the Elton John syndrome. You get very, very popular, and all of a sudden you're going to huge orgies and buying all the ice cream at the restaurant. Well, I like that part. Yeah. Because, you know, that's hashtag hop life. Yeah. No, you know, not not at the same time, by the way. The orgies and the ice cream are not concurrent. Oh, I'm out. Oh, okay. So this early success phase is, 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 is the next phase where whatever – exposure activity or even just physical success and hop growing that you've had in the experimental phase that leads you to the early success phase and i would say that now your excitement's even higher right mm-hmm. yep so you get a little so maybe this is not excitement isn't inversely proportional yet um we're getting there but you've got so much you're riding high and you're looking at man i could do this and I'm going to quit my day job and I'm going to, you start doing numbers in the back of your coaster bar napkin. And you're saying if 50 plants equals X dollars, then a thousand plants equals X, 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 X dollars. And you're just doing this progression, right? And you're starting to think about things, irrational things, because you don't, you don't likely at this point even still have a business plan. This is where the business plan has to be, at least fleshed out and it doesn't have to be sol- super solid yet you can still be fact finding but it's going to keep you on track and stable through this period because if you don't have one this is like the the steepest slope of risk i would say your the risk hole that you have a you're li- likely to fall into if you don't have a good guiding document yep and when when you do look at this image that we'll post this has the steepest curve in terms of adding to your cost and risk Mm -hmm. because you are and and with very little market exposure increment because you're not actually getting out there with anything you have no product but you're getting ready to spend a whole bunch of money or almost worse you're not getting ready to spend a bunch of money because to your point you're just multiplying number of plants times revenue 
and you're not incorporating things like oh harvester labor irrigation mm-hmm. you're not you're not aware of or taking into account of all these things these infrastructure things that have to be built as your baseline for all this to work right and it, it will drive you if you're not careful it will drive you to thinking linearly about how expansion is going to work and by virtue your massive massive success <laughs> uh, it's not doesn't work that way but if you're not careful in this phase in this early success phase to at least have some sort of guiding principles and metrics to follow to determine what your next step is or how quickly you make that next step uh, you are going to be in that pit of risk really quickly i want to make clear here and it it says it right here on the chart that everything we're talking about all these risks all these negatives are the without a business plan side of this this is a this is what we've seen time and again it's what happens when you don't have a business plan i know we started the episode real cheery and talking about opera and you know operas are typically uplifting no one ever dies in them um, oh, and, and they're kind nobody of, ever gets consumption. No, it's, it's they're, they're kind of Disney princessy kind of things where everyone mm, smiles. Right, yeah. Uh, but this is the You've reality part the of the opera. episode. I've never been yeah. to the opera. Um, yeah. <laughs> but to be clear, uh, I always like to, you know, before we hit, we hit the, the downer portions of, of all of this, as we always do, we're talking about the risks of not having a business plan. So, sure, if you've got a plan, you can mitigate all of these things. And that's one of the ideas of the plan is to say, per the pivot episode, if this, then that, mm-hmm. if this, then that. Uh, and, and part of that is your exit pl- strategy. What's your exit strategy? Your exit strategy isn't to most American entrepreneurs think it's, I'm going to sell my business. Uh, no, <laughs> not likely. That's akin to winning the lottery. So, what are you what is your exit strategy and it's because at some point you're probably not going to want to do this anymore and it's so funny that you say that because you know as you and i've been going back and forth on on this this week i i did a little bit of googling about um startup plans and stages of business and all of them the exit strategy is well they don't even call it an exit strategy for all of them the final point is do you continue to expand or do you sell there's right. there, there's never a shutdown. Mm-hmm. Um, that's failure. That's, yeah, that's failure. No one ever. That is not failure. Mm-hmm. That is a, that's a decision point that you've made based on data that you have gathered that fills into your exit strategy and your business plan. That's it. Yeah. Sometimes the failure part of that is is waiting too long to make the decision. Right. Exactly. And I think that the chart shows that pretty well as, as things get darker and dimmer and more bleak, the further to the right you go. Well, if you don't have a business plan, you don't know what those metrics and milestones need to be to make those decisions. Yeah, you know, I just realized the color scheme you're using here is, you know, it's nice and green and naturey when you start and it turns into a big pile of muddy crap um, of brown at the bottom when it gets bad. It, so it can. Yes. I, I, was that intentional <laughs> or that's just the way your, your mind works? No, that was intentional. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That reflected my mood that day. That, day. <laughs> that was your, your pre-opera mood. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, so exactly. early success, I mean, things are going well. You're, they're going well in the sense that you believe there's a market for what you're doing. You, you right. believe that this is going to work, that you can potentially leave your job or do this 
you know, in parallel with your job. Then we hit this next phase, the linear progression phase. Right. And so the transition between the early success and the linear progression phase is the point at which growers like will have a conversation with me at like conferences or whatnot. And they'll say, Hey, yeah, I've got, you know, a hundred plants and, and things are going really well. And they're super, super excited and they're hobnobbing with all these other brewers and growers. And so I'm going to put in, uh, I've got a hundred plants. I'm going to put in 10 acres. I look at them and I just usually nod and shake my head and don't say anything. And, and then they're expecting me to come up. Wow, that's great. Congratulations. You know, but I don't. I just don't say anything. In those situations, people don't like silence. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> so, they, so they just keep talking. And eventually when I do get to speak, I'll say, why? Why? So you got 100 plants. You want to go into 10 acres. Why? Well, I just figured that, you know. And so they'll start rambling off all these reasons. I'm like, uh-huh. How how did you get those data? Because it usually starts, most of the conversation is, is wrapped around, well, you know, I think that, no, you know what, I don't give two shits about what you think. What is real? And what sort of due diligence have you done to say going from 100 plants to 10 acres is the correct linear progression rate for you? Mm-hmm. And that's the cold water, usually, what Blackett James says. They call me my alter ego, Captain Bringdown. Captain Bringdown. And, the, you know, the why question is, is such an important one. And we had been talking for a while about the fact that we would be doing, we wanted some folks who were in that situation to reach out to us, give us some info, and, and we'll review their plans on the air. And we just, we just this week picked the folks we're going to do that with and gave them a, an additional survey to fill out. And the why is the biggest part of that. Why are you mm-hmm. doing this? What is not only why do you think it's going to work, you know, what information do you have, but what why do you believe that this is the right thing for you? Oh, I'm going to come up with another list that we can talk about. It's going to be the whatever number of worst why answers. Oh, I like I've it. Ever gotten. I like that. <laughs> but anyway, so now we're in the linear progression phase because it's like you've had some early success and now it's this is your bar napkin or better yet I go to conferences and see people literally working on spreadsheets filling them with data while people are giving presentations it's like this is the most up-to-date info I got and they have this elaborate spreadsheet and they think that equates to a business plan it does not that's one of my axioms about hop growing spreadsheets love to lie to you (laughs) they don't make up bad data to present an inaccurate picture of what's going on. You're doing that, but you're doing it subconsciously. And then you're taking it because it's in a spreadsheet. It must be true. It's leading you down the garden path. And that's at the end of it is just a big old pile of shit. So that's not really the true. But I see it all the time is that in this linear progression phase, it's not about just the spreadsheet numbers. And it's not about to your point earlier, well, I could do X amount with, with Y inputs at the smaller experimental early success phase. I can just, it's a linear progression, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where you are, are spending money. Oh, yeah. Big time. Because you think that's how you get success. You have to have all this stuff. Because, you know, yeah, hop growing is equipment intensive, as is any specialty crop if you're going to have the best shot of doing it correctly right Mm -hmm. so but at the same time you are 
you're going to spend a long time in this linear progression phase thinking that you can expand your way out of whatever position you've gotten yourself in. And that's just not true. You say, oh, this is just a bump in the road. It could be. What does that mean for you? Bump in the road. By this time, you've had enough market exposure. You Maybe you're a few seasons in and you're figuring out that not every brewer wants your hops. Or better yet, what is still happening right now at this phase, you're figuring out, what do you mean I can't grow mosaic? <laughs> that should have been back in your experimental phase where you're figuring out what you can and can't grow. Um, because I see I see this frequently too online, usually Facebook. Somebody's like, yeah, I'm looking. Can anybody, right around the time people are looking to buy rhizomes or plants, they're like, I'm looking for some El Dorado. Oh, keep looking. What about mosaic? Does anybody get any mosaic rhizomes? And it just betrays that they haven't done their research. Yeah. But that, but that is the mentality that they built their linear progression on. So, you know, this person who was going from 100, 100 plants to 10 acres, and they're like, well, what's your, what's your variety mix? Oh, I'm going to have some citra in there and some, you know, Nelson, because Nelsons are worth like $25 a pound. Uh-huh. <laughs> Great. And is a unicorn your farm manager? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that segues really nicely into the what I call the reality dawning phase. <laughs> and to some degree, I'm going to subtitle this phase. It's really reality dawning slash denial intensification. There you go. This is the point where you you do start to gather all the right information and um, you either understand what you have to do and then make a decision point, a pivot point, if it's it's worth it or not, or you just continue to be blind to some of this stuff. Or you can have the other approach, which is you, you say that this isn't doable and you do decide to exit, but it's still with a denial of, well, it wasn't me, it's them. And I think that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. Um, and this could this at this phase it could actually fork, and you could say, this is your first major pivot phase, mm-hmm. and you could say, what do I need to do at this point? Do I need to? What happens if I go back and really and really bulk out my my business plan? What can ha- can I turn things around? Or if I'm in denial and it's somebody else's fault, I'm just going to crawl deeper and deeper into that risk hole right you're spending more money and and not just money your life Mm -hmm. right so have have you quit your job are you thinking of quitting your job (laughs) because you're going to do this full time and now you might be fine you might have a couple of bad seasons in a row and you're finding uh uh-oh farming is hard what what am i supposed to do i i need income right well welcome to the farming lifestyle so this is what you signed up for, but you didn't account for that as a possibility back in your early success phase because what goes wrong? Nothing goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, salary jobs don't have seasonal issues. <laughs> right. They just don't. Right. So I, I like that. I like the reality dawning slash, uh, what you call it, the denial um, phase? Yeah, yeah. In- <laughs> denial intensification. There you go, yep. <laughs> so it's interesting here at this point, you're right, it does create another pivot point there. There's a, a bunch of different decisions. And one of those pivot decisions may be to operate the business in a different way, in which case you're really backing up a couple phases 
as opposed to going mm-hmm. forward. So that's this is a very interesting point in particular where where you have a realization. You have a realization or, or again, denial. And that realization causes you to make a decision, right. some sort of a different decision than you've been making. And maybe it's to leave. Maybe it's to, um, as the next phase we'll see, is double down and right. go deeper. Uh, because that's a decision that impacts every aspect of your life and your mm-hmm. bank account and your relationships mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. Or you make a decision to to do things different with the business. And you started out to grow hops and make beer and maybe that changes. And we've talked about options there. And we're actually going to be uh, recording next week with uh, Mark at Mountain View Hops to talk about what they do, which isn't so much providing hops to the beer industry, but providing hop plants and providing hop products. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about being this uh, any of these stages as being reversible, but they are. It's just you can't – the deeper and deeper you get – the backing the harder and harder backing out gets which is why i think the next phase is really the exit phase or we could call it the hard pivot phase or the double down phase because the thing that drives me nuts is i can't quit now i've already spent too much money (laughs) yep cognitive dissonance right persistence down an ineffective course of action exactly i and i I just think about what what do you mean well i've got all these investments and i got all these loans to pay off and i've got like yeah, okay, so how is going deeper in debt and down the risk hole going to make that better? And, and this this may sound like, well, I would never do that. It is such a human thing to do. You do it in your relationships. You do it in your financials. You do it in your business. You you continue down a path because you've invested so much and and are talking about, you know, using the F word before, it feels like a failure to back out now because of all of the the sunk costs you've put in, whether that's cost of time or cost of money or cost of emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is a – so don't take this as us saying, oh, man, it'd be stupid not to make a decision now. It's a very human thing to stick to your guns. And, and people take pride on that. I stuck to my guns. I persevered. I powered through it. I, I hate the um, that phrase of I powered through it that, you know, runners use and all that. Your body telling you not to do something, your body's usually right. (laughs) (laughs) Well well said. (laughs) So the same thing with when the spreadsheet's telling you not to do it or or when everyone in the world is telling you don't do this. um, Powering through it it feels like the strong thing to do, but sometimes it's really – it's the wrong thing to do. It is. Those rhyme. That might be in my my, – my limerick, your limerick this week. Let me nice. write down. Str- I got strong rhymes with wrong. Hold on. There you go. Strong <laughs> rhymes yeah, nice. with wrong. The idea of saying, all right, I'm going to double down leads you to it, it. Part of it is that sort of rugged individualism sense that, you, that a person might have to say, or they'll look at all these other famous entrepreneurs and they're like, well, look, when the chips are down on them, they didn't quit. They doubled down. Well, yeah, but they're the exception. And what you yeah, and what you don't hear in those stories are all the times that they did stop, back up, reevaluate, and pivot. You only hear about the one that worked, or when they double down and get screwed. There's that too. And they lose everything. And that's when you hear is like, well, so and so entrepreneur has been bankrupt six times. And look, you find I'm like, that's a good thing. No, it's not a good thing. I mean, you didn't plan correctly. Ugh, drives me nuts. 
but that you I mean you can exit here or pivot which is the greener path right usually on this progression uh, and that pivot can be backing up too or doubling down and so we're gonna we're gonna look at take the double down route and progress even further to the right on this chart which is now good money after bad mm -hmm. and you're really not digging any deeper of a hole than you've already got because you're getting pretty close to the bottom already and that's where you're saying i can't quit i've got too much into this mm -hmm. and then because you're so close to turning that corner uh, exactly turning the corner yep. that you're willing to put more money down and loans and savings and all the all the things that that are getting scary now in terms of your future and your family's future right you're you're willing to spend more money because you got to spend money to make money. We've all right. heard that. Yeah, that's and that's bullshit too. This this phase just boggles my mind. I don't get it. It's I think the depths of denial at this point, mm -hmm. where you're say you you're, you refuse to admit that the path that you're on and how you got here was based on poor data and you not doing your due diligence. So you're going to try and spend your way out of this. Don't. Stop. You know, you can still back out of this, but thinking that you're going to spend more money or personal uh, capital with your family and friends to power through, as you said, is is a fool's errand. It's not going to work. It is. It is. And it's going to feel like, well, this is the last thing I need to do in order to, when we spend this, we'll have what we need. Or... Look, if I don't spend the money to make the harvest happen, then I'll have nothing to sell. And then why do we do all this? We got to spend that money, and we'll worry about how to how to cover for it later. Mm -hmm. the, the we'll worry about it later. That's the definition of not having a plan. Right? Yeah. We'll just we'll just we'll get around to that. It'll it'll work itself out. After a period of this in this uh, phase is when the grower is going to start looking at other things because the blushes way off the apple here uh now the honeymoon is over several steps ago and now your enthusiasm is at its lowest point it's becoming a huge stressor for you so you're trying to look for ways that you can get out of this and if you're in north america that means the first thing that comes out of your mouth is yeah hops was fine but hemp is where the money's at yeah we're just watching the market repeat itself right. 10, 15 years later. Exactly, but but twice as fast and with mm -hmm. four times as many uninformed people. Just the sheer numbers of hop growers who have think they're pivoting to hemp, but all they're doing is chasing another fad down another hole, pursuant to the rulings that just came out this last week from the USDA. Uh, it shows how volatile that industry is where there is absolutely no regulation that would allow someone to build a concrete business plan and execute to it because the rules and uh, the, the licensing and the things of that nature could change on a dime because there's absolutely no history behind it. Um, it's such an interesting industry because of the speed at which it is growing and it's not just about the crop. So I... I work in the outdoor sporting goods industry during the day, and we, there are companies out there that do metrics, all kinds of metrics about profiles of people who are active and this and that. And a woman I used to work with who was on that side of it about four years ago left that industry and started up 
a market research firm solely dedicated to hemp and CBD and understanding that marketplace and is doing quite well with it. So not growing an ounce at all, Mm -hmm. but she is, is very much involved in what that industry does and measuring what the market opportunities are. She's providing the information that people will need for a business plan to actually do this properly. Right. And the old adage is, it's an adage because it's freaking true. And it's, it is so true in hops and certainly in hemp and any of these, what can be deemed as, you know, fads, quote unquote, although I don't think hops are fad, but the gold miner doesn't make the money. It's the guy selling them the pan. Mm -hmm. So how we pivot, how we include other streams of revenue in our operation to weather those, you know, bad times in the cropping part of the business is so important. And you you can't just sit down and say, I'm going to be from nothing, from barren ground with no farming experience. I'm going to start up a high intensity, high capital specialty crop. I'm going to weather the farming industry and I'm going to compete with four and five and six generation hop growers whose infrastructures have been paid for over and over and over again, just because it's a legacy thing. They've paid for their infrastructure. And I mean, the phrase you use all the time, they they've already paid their dues at the school of mother nature. That's right. They, they know it's that stuff that uh, tends to really bite us in the ass Yep. And that they already, they know, they know, is you know, family, long-term, multi-generational mm-hmm. business. Now, the real problem, I think, with this last point of our, one, two, three, four, five, of our, of our seven steps with, with 18 sub-steps that we've created <laughs> along the way, is that, okay, you found a new product, and whether it's hemp or something else, that's really where the money's going to be. If at that point you haven't learned the lesson of where you got without a business plan, you are just starting all over again with no information, with no, no learnings, no history, probably having the wrong equipment to do what you need to do. You're doing the same thing all over again, but now you, all the learnings you've had from the past year or two or six or ten are gone. Maybe what I'll start doing at conferences and people want to talk to me afterwards i'm done talking and whatnot and i'll say they come up hey james can i have a couple minutes of your time i got a few questions for you i'm like sure can i see your business plan (laughs) make that the price of entry yeah well i don't have one well i i don't have time for you because anything i'm going to tell you isn't going to matter so what have you show prove to me that you have done your due diligence because I don't want to be responsible for fueling your less than ideal decision-making skills. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, hopefully we still have some listeners. Uh- <laughs> this, this is Captain Bringdown's public service announcement of what happens when you don't have a business plan because we've seen it so many times. It's just it's the same story over and over and over again, and we don't want to see our listeners fall into this trap. We want you to be, quote, successful in whatever facet of the industry and however you want to measure that. But the way you do that is to avoid these pitfalls. How do you avoid these pitfalls? You have a solid business plan. 
you know, we keep using the term business plan, and we've spoken before about planning for, you know, pre-harvest planning and post-harvest planning. We talked a lot about planning. I don't think we've ever actually spent an hour specifically indicating what a business plan needs to give you. We talk about it as if everyone knows what it is, and you can certainly Google the crap out of it and find all kinds of business plans. But mm -hmm. I think that probably needs to be a follow-up here is talking about what that business plan needs to entail. Absolutely. There's multiple steps. I mean, we could talk, we could talk about each individual you know, facet of that business plan, what it means, how you find those data, and manipulate it for, for yourself. Mm -hmm. And business planning can be incredibly dull. Oh, yeah, it is. And, <laughs> and yet, if you do it the right way, if you do it during your experimental phase and you're, and you're still in that excitement mode, as you plan and you build out the reality of your future, it can also be very exciting. If it's, if it's not exciting, if it's a chore that you just wish would be over when you're still in the excitement phase, you need to rethink this path because you're going to be living in that business plan, changing that plan, not getting married to specific components of that plan because they have to change for the rest of this business. Yeah, it's a living document. It has mm -hmm. to be a living document. It lives, it breathes, it spits on you, it kicks you in the balls. I mean, it, it, it does just about everything. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is not a, a lovely relationship between you and the business plan. It's, it's what's the line? It's, um, it may not be the thing you need, but it, the thing you want, but it is the thing you need. Well said. I know the brewer down at ba -da 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 -da, 